Good morning. Happy New Year. You know, a, a couple weeks ago, uh, when Pastor Eric asked me if I would do this, uh, my first response was to think I was going to pass out. And after my head quit spinning, I felt a little nauseous. But then very soon, I just felt uh, pretty clearly this was something that uh, I was supposed to do. The good thing about this time of year is there's so much activity and distraction that I really didn't have much time to worry about it until the past couple of days. And I've been blessed with a uh, very loving and supportive family, but this caused some concern with my kids because I'm kind of the doc, Dr. Spock of my family. You know, Mr. Spock, uh, I'm the one that doesn't worry. I'm the one that doesn't stress, and uh, they could see that in me, and they were expressing their concern, and they were, they were very helpful. And I was surprised when I got up fairly early this morning to go through my notes to find that, uh, that two of my kids, uh, Noah and Heather, were up with, uh, with Cheryl, uh, expressing concern about, gosh, we never seen dad worry about anything. You know, I'm, I'm probably, and I'm going to admit this in front of my family and it's going to surprise them, I'm probably overly confident in my abilities and sometimes that gets me in trouble. But, uh, you know, so I'm looking through my notes and they are asking me if I'm okay. And then uh, my son Noah came in and said, uh, hey dad, I, I got something for you. It's uh, for, for your message. You don't you listen to this. I the tiger. <laughs> Dang. You know, and I mean, that's not, that's not quite, that's not quite the soundtrack that I had in mind for, for my sermon, but I appreciated it. Then when it was done, he said, oh, dad, and one other thing, don't use any swear words. That, that would be bad. So I'm going to try to do that. I think that's a good advice. And then, uh, then my daughter, Heather, she said that, uh, you know, dad, uh, don't be nervous about this. There'll just be probably a couple billion people watching you on Facebook. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Heather. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Eric asked me to share uh, our 111 prayer emphasis this morning. You know, we've been doing this for a number of weeks. We make a commitment to pray every day uh, for one thing, for one minute, uh, at 1 o'clock. If that time works for you, the time isn't as critical as, as the activity. Uh, and what I do is I set that uh, alarm on my clock at one, and when it goes off, I try to faithfully pray for whatever it is that he's asked us to pray for. Uh, and if one o'clock doesn't work in your schedule, just pick a time that does. But our emphasis this week, uh, Pastor Eric has asked us to pray for one person that God would put in your path with whom you could share your faith. You know, God's faithful. And if we uh, will confidently uh, ask him uh, to do this, he will be faithful. He'll put somebody in your path. And I was sharing with somebody this morning that told me about an opportunity they had to share with a coworker, and uh, it was an ongoing thing, and they were nervous. I said, let me tell you a secret. If God crosses your path with somebody and you uh, are the one that he's chosen to share their, your faith, you can't mess it up. Okay, there's freedom in that. There's peace in that. Because the Bible cl clearly says that no person comes to God unless God has drawn them to himself. And if God's drawing them to himself and he's drawn you into that to allow you to feel his mighty power working through you, you can't mess it up. Their, their salvation is not dependent upon your eloquence. There's a lot of freedom in that. So I hope that we will be faithful and continue to do this. And, you know, we're, we're at the point uh, of this year where we prepare to turn the page on the calendar, not, not just to a new day, but to a whole new year. You know, we, we, we should pause 
here for a moment and look back on this past year. There's always things to learn from the year that we look back, and we should look back before we look forward. And you know, this, this has been a challenging year in the life of our church. We've had some challenges. You know, challenge, challenge is not a bad thing. You know, challenge is, uh, uh, and, and as we experience personal challenges, as we experience challenges as a church, we should always experience those challenges confident in the fact that God is at work in those challenges. God uses those challenges to develop in his people godly character. You know, we, we, we have continued dealing with the effects of this road construction, and that's been a long haul. We, we opened a, a new location on Volvo, which is a good thing, but that's, that's a challenge. You know, it stretched our staff. We've had some uh, turnover in our staffing. You know, and as we see these challenges, as we see these challenges of life, we need to strive to see our God at work in these challenges. You know, over all of the challenges in life, whether they're personal, whether they're to the church, over all of those is a sovereign God. Our God reigns supreme, always has, always will. God reigns supreme over all the challenges in our life, over all of his creation. And that truth should develop in us confident hope and expectation to see what it is that God will do. You know, when I think of an entirely new, unspoiled year laid out before us, I think back a few years when my kids were small and we had a rare snowfall in Virginia Beach. And, and, and my wife, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, uh, an administrator. My wife's a teacher. So when it snows and they close school, close school, we all got to stay home. So the kids were all home and we had a pretty, you know, five or six inches, a lot of snow for us. And I began to get dressed. I'm going to go out and shovel the walk and the, the driveway and knock the snow off the, car, the cars. And, and one of my kids, I don't remember exactly which one, they said, Dad, could you wait? Could you not go out there and do that? Because it's so pretty. You know, it's just beautiful. It's pure. It's unspoiled. Because, you know, you look at it, you go out, you get some feet print through it, you let your dog out, he runs around in there pretty soon. It's just, that's, that's the way this new year is, though. You know, we look forward into a new year uh, as unspoiled, as pristine, as untouched. We look ahead with hope and expectation. Uh, we want to see something new. We want to see something different. You know, a new year reminds us every year of renewal, a new chance, a new start, a new hope of doing new things. Or, or maybe doing old things better or different. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's challenging. Our hearts long for a chance for a new hope. You know, renewal is a continuing theme throughout the whole Bible. You know, the Bible is a story of renewal. The Bible records many, many stories of renewal, and God can bring renewal to a people. He can bring renewal to a nation, and he can bring renewal to an individual. You know, the, the Israelites were a people. They were a people established by God through a covenant relationship with Abraham. God and Abraham entered into a covenant. It's like a contract. They made an agreement. A covenant requires that both parties, that Abraham and God, agree 
that each one will do certain things to keep the covenant. God promised Abraham that he, his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. He promised him that, that through him he would create a great nation and that all the people of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. That's the promise that God made through this covenant. This was the promise of the Messiah through the lineage of Abraham. The nature of a covenant is that if either party does not keep their part of the covenant, then the, then the covenant is void. It's invalidated. And we see throughout history that God always kept his part of the covenant. But Abraham and the descendants of Abraham, not so much. And in spite of that, God kept his part. Instead, instead of abandoning the Israelites, God worked continually to renew them, to draw them back to himself. Over and over again, God renewed his people. You know, the book of, in the book of Isaiah, we see recorded there the sermons of the prophet Isaiah over a 60-year period. God would send his messengers, his prophets who spoke to the people the word of God, and he sent Isaiah to Judah to speak to them because Judah was going down the same path of apostasy of the 10 northern tribes of Israel. And this apostasy, this path they were on, was going to lead them to be overrun by the Assyrians and taken into captivity. You know, God raised up this prophet, and this prophet spoke through, to, to, through or God spoke through him to his people, and the book of Isaiah is the re recording of those sermons, and it has a, Isaiah has a strong presence of judgment. All through Isaiah the, the, is the presence of judgment, but the theme of Isaiah is not judgment. The theme of Isaiah is salvation. The theme of salvation is renewal. You know, it, it is the presence of judgment that, that helps us to understand the necessity of salvation. You know, you, you really can't understand the love of God to the depth that we need to without understanding the just nature of God that required justice to be satisfied. In Isaiah 43, God speaks to his people. He speaks to them about this upcoming captivity in Babylon. And he tells them that this is a condition that's to be his judgment on them for their unfaithfulness. But in the midst of this despair... God gives them a message of hope. First, God reminds them who they are. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43.1 says this, But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You know, he reminds them, God reminded Israel that they were who they were through his action. He created a people group out of the world for a purpose. These were the descendants of Abraham. He created you, O Jacob. He who formed you, O Israel. He told them, fear not. Trust me, fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. What God redeems stays redeemed. God goes on to ensure uh, the nation of Israel in 43, 18 through 21. He tells them this. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. You know, he, he, he tells them, he says, look, don't, don't get bogged down in the former things. Don't, don't, don't get bogged down looking at the things of old. You know, Israel was filled with regret. They were filled with despair because they came to realize that their condition was caused by their rebellion. But God called on them not to remember those things that were in the past. He called on them instead to look to the new thing that he was going to do. That's the challenge that God put forth. The old things were disobedience. The old things were idolatry. The old things were sin. He said, don't look back on them and get mired in hopelessness. Don't get hopelessly mired in the past. But God said, don't look to the past. Look to my future. I will not pretend to know why God allows certain challenging things to touch our lives. I won't pretend to know why God has allowed these challenging things to touch our church. But I'm going to challenge you to join me in this. Let's not look back to the former things. Let's not consider the things of old. God is doing a new thing. God has used this church powerfully in the past, and, and he's used it in powerful ways. He continues to work in this church, and if he continues to work through these challenging situations, and if we will not allow ourselves to be mired in the past, he will do a new thing in our church. I believe that we stand here today not only on the cusp, of a new year, I think we stand on the cusp of a new era in the life of this church. God is not finished with First Baptist Church of Norfolk. Our best days are not in the past. Our best days are in the future if we will not allow ourselves to get mired in the past. God is doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Let's not miss God's glorious future because we're mired in the former things, the things of old. That is how God renews a people. He tells us he'll never leave us or forsake us. He tells us that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. What we are we are because he has redeemed us. 
What God redeems stays redeemed. God not only redeems his people, he tells us what it takes to redeem a nation. You know, in 2 Chronicles, during the reign of Solomon, God provides a process for the renewal of a nation. This process is conditional. It's an if-then statement. God says, if you do this, then I will do that. Uh, while, while this message was given to the nation of Israel, it's still relevant today for the renewal of a nation. And I'll tell you, I love this country. I thank God for allowing me to be born in the freest, most prosperous country ever in the history of the world. But sometimes when I see the direction that I believe things are going, I see the things going on around me, I can despair. But I despair because I lose sight and I look for solutions that can be brought about by man. And I see things that I don't believe any man can solve. And if I didn't have a hope and faith in God, that would be a desperate, hopeless situation. But God says, don't look to those things. Look to me. The answer is not political. The answer is spiritual. God's given us this for formula, and he shows us how to pursue uh, renewal. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this, if, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. Look at who he's talking to. He says, if my people, at the time this was written, my people that he referred to was the nation of Israel. But today, my people, this is the timeless, eternal word of God. What was true then is true now. If my people, that's us. That's Christians. We're his people. We're called by his name. He says if we will humble ourselves, if, if you will humble yourself before God. You know, the church is the body of Christ. We're the ones that are called by his name. He said if we will humble ourselves. You know, humility is the only acceptable posture before God. We are humble when we understand and accept our own limitations and our own ability to fix things or make them better. We're humbled because we're abundantly aware of our limitations as human beings. A humble spirit before God is a display of a correct understanding of our Lord and ourselves in relationship to him. Earlier in Isaiah, it said that Isaiah saw God. You know what he said when he saw God? He said, I'm ruined. He fell on his face because when he saw the holiness and the perfection of God, he was abundantly aware of his sinfulness and his inadequacy. And he said, I'm ruined. That's coming humbly for God. If we will humble ourselves before the Lord, if we will ask, if we will ask him to do what we know we cannot do, if we will seek his face, if we will repent from our wicked ways. You know, it doesn't just say that, that, that we need to seek his face. It says seek his face and repent. 
You know, if you're going to be face-to-face with God, you've got to be looking in God's direction. And if you're going to look in God's direction, you have to turn from your wicked ways. That's what repenting is. He says, if you will do these things, if you will humble yourself and pray and seek my face, then, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins. I will heal your land. That's a promise of God. You know, this passage doesn't say that everybody in a country has to do this to bring about renewal. It says, my people who are called by my name. That's us. If you believe that our country needs healing, if you believe that our country needs renewal, would you join me again in a challenge this year to add to our primary prayer concern that God will heal our land, that we will humble ourselves before him, that we will seek his face, that we will turn from our wicked ways. And if we do that, he will heal our land. You know, God can renew a people group. He can renew a country. But much of the Bible is about the renewal of individuals. You know, while it's easy, it's easy to see that a whole group of people would be very important to God. It's easy to understand that a whole country would be very important to God. But much of Jesus' ministry was about redeeming individuals. You know, every single person is of great value to God. We see this in many places in the Bible, but one place we see it is in John 3. John 3, 1 through 6 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You know, it's it's curious, this next part, because Nicodemus made a statement, right? He made a statement. He he said, uh, Rabbi, we know that these things about you. He didn't ask a question, but three says this, Jesus answered him. Jesus answered a question that wasn't asked, because he knew the man's heart. He knew why he was there. Jesus answered him, truly, truly. You know, our pastor has told us, anytime you see truly, truly, that means this is important. Listen up. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You know, Nicodemus was a member of the Pharisees. You know, this was a hyper-legalistic sect of Judaism that was very hostile to Jesus. We see Jesus continually interacting with the Pharisees as they continued to try to lay traps for him. They tried to come up with tricky questions that no matter how you answer the question, you're going to be in trouble. And he continued to foil foil them. 
It says that Nicodemus was also a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. You know, this was the same group that would later try and convict Jesus of blasphemy and take him to the Romans so that he could be executed. It says that Nicodemus was a famous rabbi. Jesus referred to Nicodemus as Israel's teacher. This was a very learned man. But this very learned man saw something special in this young, itinerant teacher, and he came to question him. Nicodemus believed that he was missing something in his understanding of God and of life, and he thought that Jesus might help him understand. But instead, Jesus told him something that was hard for him to comprehend. He said that to enter the kingdom of heaven, you had to be born a second time. You know, we're born the first time into a temporary physical existence, a physical life. And Jesus said you need to be reborn a second time into an eternal spiritual life. And, And Jesus brings about this renewal. The Bible says that the wage of sin is death. I don't know about you, but I don't consider my wages a gift. I consider that something that I earned. And this says here that the wage of sin is death. That means that's what we earned. That's what we deserve. We earned the wage of sin. And it goes on to say this, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, therefore all owe the wage of sin which is death. Apart from God, we are alive in the flesh, but we're dead in the spirit. That's our condition, apart from God. And without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that would be a helpless, hopeless existence. We live a temporary, physical existence facing a godless eternity. But Jesus offers us renewal. He offers us the rebirth of our spirit into eternal life. You know, Jesus summed this up for Nicodemus. And this is a passage we've all heard over and over again. But it's John 3, 16. Jesus said this, for God, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Love was God's motive. Sacrifice was God's method. Jesus was the offering. And eternal life is the gift that he purchased for us at an incredible price to himself. That's the renewal of an an individual. The gift was not just a baby in a manger. The gift was also a savior on a cross. Christmas begins the path to Easter. You know, when I was uh, 21 years old, I I met my wife, and uh, we hadn't been seeing each other very long, and I told her that I was an atheist and that I would never darken the door of a church. That's where I was. I'm 60. God's done a work in my life. God's renewed my spirit. I'm not that same guy. I work with a guy, he's Jewish. He He tells me he's an atheist. And he told me that nobody can know for sure that there's a God. And I said, I do. He said, you can't know that. I go, I absolutely know that because he changed my life. 
because I am a new creation in Christ. And he can't tell me that that's not true. That that's not true. You know, maybe, maybe you're here today on the cusp of a new year. Maybe you need a fresh touch from God. You know, maybe, maybe you've been mired down in the things of the past and you need to turn your focus to the new things that God has in store for you. Maybe, maybe you're here today with a need and a longing in your heart like Nicodemus that you don't even understand. Maybe like him, maybe like Nicodemus, you need to address this question to our Lord. You know, God created us for the purpose of having a relationship with himself. Hardwired into our souls is an innate longing for God to be whole, to be complete. There's an emptiness and a vacuum in our heart that only God can fill. If you're feeling that way right now, don't leave here with that feeling because Jesus died on a cross to pay your wage of sin so that you can be restored to God for all of eternity. God so loved you. God so loved you that, that he gave his only son. So if you would believe in him, you will not perish. You will have eternal life. That's a promise from the great promise keeper of all times, from the one who is faithful and true. You know, I'm going to pray for us here in a minute. And then Brother Kurt is going to, going to come and give an invitation. And my hope is that if God is calling you, maybe, maybe you're a believer, maybe you're it had a dry spot in your life. Maybe you need a renewal. Uh, maybe you, uh, you feel a calling and a pull in your heart to have a relationship with God. Whatever it is that God's doing, and my hope and my prayer is that God, if God is calling you, that you will be obedient to that call. I pray that we will begin this new year by allowing God to do in us, individually and as a church, a new thing. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you uh, for Jesus Christ. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent him to die on a cross so that we could be restored to you. Father, I pray that you would give us strength and wisdom. I pray that you would pour out your spirit on this church. I pray that we will not get mired down in the past with old things, that we would look to the new thing that you're doing with expectation and excitement and hope. I pray that we would trust you beyond our capacity to see or understand, and that we will allow you to do in us that which you want to do to bring about a new thing in our lives, to bring about a new thing in our church. Father, I believe that, that statistically in a group this size, there's people here that don't know you. And I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that they would feel a tug in their heart and they would desire to feel that emptiness that's there, that they've tried to fill with other things, but cannot be filled with anything but you. It's a God-shaped peace that only you can fill. Father, we, we give this time to you of this invitation, and I pray that people will be obedient and responsive to your call. Pray this in Jesus' name.